2: Jacob Albrot, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH.
0: Welcome in, everybody. Sports Daily. KU fans, how you feeling this morning? Uh, maybe still a little nauseous from that rep show last night, but... Maybe riding a little high still because of the win, the bowl win. It has been a long time, and KU gets it done. Jacob Albrock here. Tommy Caster alongside me. Max Power in for JAD. This is Sports Daily. Glad to be here with you on the day after a bowl win. Tommy is somebody who has followed KU closely their entire life. How does that sound? KU won a bowl game last night.
1: Yeah, it's great. I'm tired. I'm not going to lie. That game took forever and it was already a late start, an eight o'clock kick. And then just every single play, there was a penalty. And um, I, I think I finally went to bed a little bit after midnight last night and It was a long night, late night, but worth it because the Jayhawks get their first bull win since 2008, and it's just a testament to how far this program has come, Uh, and I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see the future of this program next season and beyond under under Lance Leipold, and uh, it was exciting. Despite everything that happened in the wild game, it's exciting that they got the win.
0: It is. It it was, you know, it's too bad. I mean, you, you just go through a game. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, KU was ranked 14th nationally in penalties going into that game they were penalized 55 times during the regular season through 12 games so what is that an average of about a little over four a game they had 18 last night 18 penalties yeah last night I mean it's just insane like I I, I don't even know what to say about it other than it 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 sort of ruined the whole experience. Uh, but it was still uh, an explosive game. KU with 591 yards of offense. Jason Bean was just playing. Remember the old game, 5,000 or 500, whichever one you called it, where you just threw the ball up in the air to a group of people and see who caught it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He played that game last night. Uh, six touchdowns, three interceptions, 450 yards. He was just chucking. He was playing like a guy who was playing his last football game of his life, just throwing him up there. And his receivers were incredible. And I think because of that, so the news came out before the game that Devin Neal was coming back. And we talked yesterday about that being a bit of a question on whether he would be back or whether he would declare. So you get, you know, even no matter what happens in the bowl game, that's a win for KU last night. And I text you, thanks a lot, NIL. I have very little doubt that NIL had a lot to do with the decision of Devin Neal coming back to play college football again. It's one of the reasons I love NIL. Here's a guy who faces the conundrum of the NFL where running backs go in. You know, if they don't get drafted early, they probably don't ever get paid. And all of a sudden, boom, you can get an opportunity to make some money. So that was good news going in no matter what happens. And then you watch the game play out. And you realize just how talented some of the receivers are at K-State. KU. And you remember that Jalen Daniels is coming back next year. And you remember that Texas and Oklahoma are out. And you remember that K-State has lost a ton this year. And you begin to wonder a little bit, as at least I was as I'm watching that, thinking, all right, the offense looked okay without Kotelnicki. They were still dynamic. They were still getting guys wide open, doing all these things. We know they'll be able to run the ball next year. They'll have Jalen Daniels, who, you know, again, love Jason Bean and and the work he's done at KU, but Jalen Daniels is way better. And you think this team's going to have a chance to win a Big 12 championship next year, a legitimate chance to win a Big 12 championship next year. And you also realize they brought in what they're calling their best recruiting class of all time. It's not just turning it around to getting a nine-win season and a bowl win for KU, Tommy. It's that the future is as bright as it is anywhere in the conference for KU. You've got a new stadium being, well, an upgraded stadium being built. I mean that all of those things are racing through my head, despite the penalties. Despite I didn't even really care who won the game. I mean, I wanted KU to win. Don't get me wrong, but those thoughts were there regardless of the outcome of the game. Was just that, I I mean, it is it is hard to imagine three years ago this future being this bright this quickly.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are so many different things about this program moving forward that get me really excited, and the retention. Is the biggest thing in a world of the transfer portal and in, in a world of players that are great declaring for the NFL draft, really that hasn't been a huge focus for the Jayhawks as soon as their regular season ended. You know, it looks like Austin Booker made declare for the draft, he didn't play in the game last night. Dominic Pooney looks like he made declare for the draft. The offensive lineman he didn't play in the game last night. Really, other than that. It's basically retention, right? Like they return next season a ton of their players, you know, specifically big-time playmakers at the skill positions. Offensively, it looks like a majority, if not all, of their wide receivers basically will be back next season. Is what it sounds like. Devin Neal, that announcement you mentioned uh, last night before the game, looks like he will be back. Daniel Highshaw, Dylan McDuffie, those guys are are not seniors. It looks like they'll be back. Uh, And then you mentioned Jalen Daniels, and that's kind of the cherry on top. Um, You know, so, yeah, I think the retention is outstanding. Credit to Lance Leipold and his staff for keeping these players and getting them to buy into this vision. And on top of that, it would have been really easy for a handful of players to enter the portal as soon as Andy Kotelnicki left for Penn State. A a lot of the offensive players could have said, you know what? Our offensive coordinator is gone. We're going to go ahead and transfer out. That didn't happen. That didn't happen with the Jayhawks. So you've got a team that won nine games for the first time in 15 years, their first bowl game victory in 15 years. You've got a head coach that, you know, despite speculation that has swirled for the last couple of years about whether or not he may go accept a bigger job somewhere else, it looks like he's locked in and is sticking around in Lawrence, at least for the foreseeable future, if not longer than that. And so everything is trending up. For the Jayhawks. And I'm kind of with you. I watched the game last night and, you know, of course, it was hard to get into a rhythm and actually settle in and, and, and watch the game in a really entertaining way. But I did think a lot the the same things that you did that, you know, this is a team that is not going away anytime soon. Texas and OU are out of the conference. You know, I think that with the new teams coming in next season, you're probably looking at Utah being a team that could compete for a Big 12 championship from the get-go. Arizona could be a team that could compete for a Big 12 championship next season. Oklahoma State's probably up there. There's a handful of teams, I guess maybe even K-State, you know, and we'll see how Avery Johnson plays in this bowl game tomorrow night. But I definitely think that there's a legitimate possibility that we could see the University of Kansas, maybe be the, the, the preseason pick to win the Big 12 Conference next season. On top of that, I also had a thought that, you know, with all the returning talent and production and all of that coming back next season, it wouldn't shock me one bit to see Kansas be ranked in the preseason top 25 as well. So there's a lot trending upwards for the Jayhawks, and it really was on full display last night.
0: Yeah, it, I, I agree that, and that's what was that's just what kept running through my head was, what is, what does this team look like next year? And and the, you know I don't know what the Pac-12 teams look like when they come back, uh, and join the league. Uh, you know that you know Prime is going to probably make some more splashes in the transfer portal. They didn't really recruit anybody out of high school. Uh, Utah will probably be good. Arizona will probably be good. So we'll see. But if – and the elephant in the room, of course, is is if Jalen Daniels is healthy. And I don't even know how to evaluate that at this point after this year. But if that happens, I mean, offensively, my goodness. Like, they are are loaded, and as loaded as any team – certainly any team in the conference. But you look around the country. When you know you're returning Devin Neal – and you watch all oh, you didn't you didn't have to try hard to see how good those receivers are last night. Like you just watched them. It you know they they had a couple of busted coverages, but for the most part those were contested catches. Guys going to get ball. Those look like NFL catches out there. So it's it's awesome to see it. And you know sort of the attention for me turns a little bit to Thursday and K State and. What happens now with the Wildcats, who will lose far more than KU, certainly, but at the same time has far more depth in the program than KU does also, and is coming off of one of their best recruiting classes a year ago to try to replenish now what's being gone. And we'll see those players, a lot of them, on display for the first time Thursday, too, against a much better team, by the way, than UNLV, so... I think we're going to get a good chance to sort of guess at it next year, which is kind of fun. They're also losing their offensive coordinator. They're bringing in Avery yeah. Johnson. All of these highly touted players that they recruited in last year, how many of those freshmen can step up and have a big impact in a, against a defense and against a team that's a top 25 team and pretty dang good. Like now I I'm I'm last night got me fired up for Thursday because I think there's a chance both of these teams are picked near the top of the Big 12 next year.
1: Well, I think it's a really interesting exercise. If you were to take, I'm not even talking about the roster right now for either one of these teams. I'm talking about when the season begins next year. We're talking, what, around Labor Day weekend in 2024. From top to bottom, with the two rosters right now, who do you put above the other? Do you put KU above K-State? Do you put K-State above KU? I mean, because we know the kind of talent that Avery Johnson has, but we also know that they've lost a bunch of players to the transfer portal. We know they don't have Colin Klein. We know that there was graduation. But one of the best, if not the best, linemen of all time at Kansas State, Cooper Beebe, is gone. Ben Sinnott is gone. A lot of the skilled players are are not back next season. Treshawn Ward transferring out of the program. So from top to bottom right now, do you take KU or K-State? I might sound like a KU homer. I think in this moment right now, for next season, right this second, I'm probably going to take the Jayhawks.
0: I need to see Thursday to answer that question because I need to see how some of these young players look. Um, I, 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 You know, this this will be interesting if, as true freshmen, a lot of them can step into these roles and perform.
1: But I from think, an experience standpoint and from returning oh, production and all of that, yeah, I KU mean, you
0: will be more experienced. There's yeah. that. That won't be close. OK, you will definitely be more experienced. K-State's losing, you know, a line and and a quarterback that's been there for a long time. And they're, you know, they're their key cog at tight end who's going to go be an NFL guy and all of those things. And really, no for, question for KU, KU will be more experienced. you
1: know, the only I'm trying to think the only skill position player that they're losing, I think, is Mason Fairchild on offense, I th- the tight end. I think that's basically it. I think there were a couple of, um, you know, third string wide receivers that entered the transfer portal for the Jayhawks. But really, I mean, I I guess you count Jason Bean, but you know Jalen Daniels is stepping right back in next season. So really the only true loss offensively is Mason Fairchild. On the defensive side, the only player that really we know of now is uh, Kenny Logan, you know, who's graduating and leaving the program. I want to talk about him later on in the show, by the way. But uh, really, he's the only one. I mean, it sounds like – you know, I, I don't know if there's been an, an announcement made yet, but Kobe Bryant, I, I think, is you know debating on whether or not to come back uh, next season, or not. Melo Dotson made an announcement that he's going to be coming back to Kansas. You know, I know they lost; they're losing Austin Booker, they're losing you know one of their offensive linemen, but by and large, the majority of that roster will be back next season.
0: Yeah, it's it, it is exciting to ponder. I, I told I was talking to Mike Twinkin that I had to work late last night because uh, we've got crews out covering these bowl games. And I was like, man, I, I really think there's a chance you could see these two teams legitimately competing for a Big 12 title next year. Yeah, I mean, they, I, I, and, and that far more needs to be answered for K-State. There's no question. Avery Johnson could be that kind of player, but he's not the only question that they have, right? right. Like, a- Avery Johnson can be as good as the best of Jalen Daniels, and so Jalen Daniels is a big elephant in the room too for me for KU and I, when we have this conversation because they don't have Jason Bean as the backup plan anymore. So what is the backup plan?
1: It's Probably I, I Cole Ballard, know you know, and he looked I, right. pretty good in, in the relief it, that he did. Right. And that's the thing too. I mean, yeah. you have to keep in mind, this team won nine games and won a bowl game with three right. different quarterbacks this season. They started three yep. different quarterbacks and they were able to get to nine wins, which is just, it's absolutely remarkable. I would take your Big 12 title conversation for both of these teams because I don't disagree with you about Kansas State. I think that there are some more questions to be answered with the Wildcats, but I would take your Big 12 title conversation with both of these teams, and I would raise it to, man, I think there's a legitimate chance that one or both of these teams we could potentially see in the CFP next season. I mean, keep in mind oh, yeah. it's expanded to twelve teams, and we're talking about a Big Twelve without Texas and OU. I think the that Big the Big Twelve
0: champion's going to get in right. CFP.
1: I'm just talking about like the stars kind of aligning for one or maybe both of these yeah. teams that we could potentially see in the CFP next season.
0: It is not crazy to say both teams could end up in the CFP. So let me just like, and, and that's what, here here's the reason why the CFP is amazing and incredible. Well, the expansion will be amazing and incredible and uh, just, it will make the sport so much better because, yes, you can imagine a path for both of these teams. You could never imagine a path for these teams when it was two or four teams. Right. Wasn't ever going to happen, right? So now it's like okay they could get into this and i don't care if they get in and they go play georgia and georgia beats them by 60 it still makes the season better to have that possibility exist and the one the big 12 champion will get in so if one of them wins the big 12 yeah they'll be in i mean they'll get in and then the other it's like could you still finish as a top 12 maybe maybe i i think as we have this discussion aloud, it it really is like it's harder to see it right now for K State because they have lost so much and they did lose Colin Klein, but I'm not going to count it out. Like it's hard one one of the one of the craziest things about college football. One of the things I actually love about it is you do things like this and lose players. Well, you don't really know if that's a how big a deal that is because you generally in those you don't you've never seen the backups. It's not like the pros where you you know who the start. Most of the time it's it's an age thing, right? Like you've you haven't had your opportunity to play yet in college football. And K-State has a lot of really good young players that are going to get that opportunity now. Let's see what they got. Right. Let's see what they can do. And and they they know that, too, by the way. Like, they feel that. They want this. They have an opportunity to go do something and be something special. And they've been waiting for their moment. I mean, we Avery Johnson's the poster child for it. But that's been all over the field. You don't think Will Anzio wants to play after a sit-behind Ben Sinnott? You don't think Wesley Fair wants to play? And, and these are just the local guys, right? They had a great class, an historically good class for that program last year. So let's see what those guys have now. As they've set back. And they may be overmatched in this one against NC State. I I don't know. And they're favored, but.
1: You know, and you mentioned some of the skill position players. DJ Giddens was a revelation this season. There were so many questions about what was going to happen when that program lost. And why, right? Just because he got an opportunity. Exactly. And, you know, they bring in the Florida State transfer and Trashawn Ward. And I think the thought was all right, well, he's at least there. So if it doesn't work with Giddens, at least we have Trashawn Ward and then Giddens. You know, he's not Deuce Vaughn, but he was very capable running the football this season for the Wildcats to an extent to where Treshawn Ward then left the program and transferred out. So, I mean, they still have those weapons. I'm not incredibly concerned about them as far as that's concerned. I think Avery Johnson is going to be great, Uh, not only in the bowl game on Thursday, but moving forward next season and beyond for the Wildcats. But yeah, I mean, there are some question marks with this program. There are question marks with every program, right? But, you know, just with the amount of turnover that we've seen thus far with Kansas State and knowing that they're going to be shorthanded in the bowl game, it makes me wonder exactly what the composition of this team will look like next year.
0: Yeah, it's hard it's hard not to imagine the future when you see that game last night. Let's talk more about that game last night. Let's take a break. Jayhawk fans, you can get in touch with the program on the IHOP hotline. 869-1240 is that number. Uh it's Jake Ballbrock, it's Tommy Caster. Max Power In taking your calls. We'll get you on the air if you want to chime in. We'll dig in to that game a little bit last night. Forty-nine thirty-six winners, a barn burner. An interesting game, a tough game to watch for reasons out of both of the team's control to some degree. We'll get into all of it as we continue on a Sports Daily on a Wednesday.
2: The commercials are over. Nope. I haven't got all day. 869-1240. Time to get busy. This is Sports Daily on KFH. All
0: right, welcome back in. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Castor. This is Sports Daily. Day after, morning after, a late night KU win in a bowl game uh, to get to nine wins on the season I know KU fans are riding high, thinking about the future. Let's talk about last night, Tommy. And I don't want to give a ton of attention uh, to these officials. It's really annoying that that became a part of the game in the way that it did, but it did. So uh, whatever, we can get into that. It it mattered less because they won, thankfully. Uh, 49 points. I, I thought last night was such a perfect, like, microcosm of Jason Bean and who he is. Just, like, absolutely, like jaw-dropping what are you thinking plays and then a couple of big plays too that guy just man he just goes and and he's I guess fearless is the right word but (laughs) just some of the throws were so wild and crazy and even like let's be real some of the big plays he made good throws on some of the plays the receivers went and got the balls don't get me wrong yeah but he also made Some bad throws on plays where receivers went and got the balls. And then, of course, the interceptions. But that was just a wild experience, the Jason Bean ride last night.
1: It's all gas, no breaks for Jason Bean. That's the way that it always has been. I remember coming on this program a year ago after they played Arkansas in the bowl game. And I don't know if you remember the way that that triple overtime game ended for Kansas because Jalen Daniels played in that game, remember, and had a pretty good game and led the comeback. But the final play for Kansas when they ultimately lost the game against Arkansas – Jason Bean threw the pass, and he threw it 10 rows deep into the stands to end the game for the Jayhawks. And I remember coming on this program and just eviscerating the Jayhawks and that decision to put the ball in the hands of Jason Bean when you're in triple overtime. And, you know, that was the play call that they came up with when you had Jalen Daniels, who had been cooking the entire game. I was really, really upset about it at the time. And, you know, looking back on it, yeah, still – It's frustrating that that's the way that it went down. But it was just the the fact that that was the way that the bowl game ended for the Jayhawks a year ago and for Jason Bean specifically a year ago. He could have left. He could have been done with football. He could have walked away. He could have transferred somewhere else. He could have done a bunch of different things. He decided to come back to Kansas And he had no idea when he decided to come back that he would end up leading the team, that Jalen Daniels would again go down with an injury and he would take over. He had no idea that he would be starting a bowl game in Phoenix this season. He didn't know that, but he decided to come back you got to take the good with the bad with Jason Bean. He's got to be a guy that, I mean, I heard somebody refer to him as the David McCormick of KU football because he just made these like inexplicable decisions, but then he would do incredible things also, and you just are perplexed with how it all goes down with a guy like Jason Bean. But the one thing about him is that he 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 committed, he was loyal, he stepped in when he was needed, and you know, by the way, He's now second in the number of touchdowns thrown all time in his career in Kansas. Like it's him and Todd Reesing, who's right above him. He surpassed Carter Stanley last night in the bowl game. And this is a guy that, you know, competed for a starting role when he first came to Kansas, but then was relegate, relegated to the backup position, stepped in on numerous occasions, and now he's the second all-time leading touchdown thrower in the history of the Jayhawks. It's pretty remarkable.
0: Yeah, he's been a great Jayhawk, I think, as much as anything else when I think about him. McCormick of, of football is probably about perfect because, you know, you can't win without him, but he he drives fans nuts, yeah. right? Like, that that is a good – that's a good description of it. I didn't see that game last night going that way. I thought they'd run the ball a ton, um, and it, it just wasn't. It really wasn't opening up, and a credit to some degree to UNLV. That was about the only thing for... UNLV
1: could do defensively was stop the run. Devin Neal yeah. didn't have well, a each game.
0: He, I don't want to say that's the only thing they couldn't do. They just they kept giving up big plays, and so did KU, quite frankly, defensively. I mean, Bean was at like 23 yards of completion or something absurd like that, but it was busted coverages, and it was receivers making massive plays. Look, I, I think a reason the theme of the game went the way it did for me last night is despite some poor decisions and some poor throws those receivers made incredible plays yeah. incredible plays and I'm like okay and and I've I've got nothing but appreciation for Jason being in the job he's done but I just like imagine those receivers with a full healthy season of Jalen Daniels and I'm like man they could really have something special this that group of that group of, of pass catchers you know, I, I don't, you know, Grimm never gets targeted a ton. I can't figure out why, but Skinner and Arnold are big-time receivers. Grimm is a big play receiver, I suppose. I really do think he could be more than that. But that they got three of them that you'll go to war with against any three, you know, any combination probably just on yeah. ability. They've got a fourth uh, in, in,
1: in in Wilson, and Trevor Wilson, by the way, also, who had a couple of catches. He didn't have a huge game, but he's somebody that, you know, can grab a couple of, of passes throughout the game, too. I mean, they are incredibly deep at the wide receiver position. It's been, well, I was going to say, a long time. I don't remember if there's ever been a time where the Jayhawks have had that deep of a wide receiver room.
0: Well, I'm i am trying to remember a time where, and again, this is potential, and they were playing UNLV, but I, it, the things that you saw, it didn't matter who they were playing. They were going to make those plays, and the fact that they can make those plays, like I'm telling you, that, that group of it, it just – Skill players based on ability has a chance to be one of the best rooms in the country next year, um, and and they've had a little run here. Remember, it was it was it Chase or Jefferson who spent just a second Chase. with the Jayhawks. Chase yeah. did, yeah. He committed. They've, they've
1: kind of had uh, some guys. Yeah, when Les Miles was the coach, right. uh, there was yeah. like a, a string of Louisiana guys that briefly committed to the Jayhawks and then and then went away. Uh, Chase never played a game, obviously for for Kansas, but. Um, that that wide receiver room, yeah, it's it's impressive, and they've been doing it all season. And honestly, it hasn't mattered if it was Jalen Daniels or Jason Bean or Cole Ballard. Uh, right. Lawrence yeah. Arnold is a is a big time playmaker, uh, and you know some of the catches where he's elevating and going up and getting the ball, um, just incredible catches in that regard. And the one the one thing too, when it comes to these wide receivers and just offensively, is that. Keep in mind, they put up the number of yards they did. They put up the number of points they did last night without Andy Kotelnicki. And Andy Kotelnicki had been the offensive coordinator the entire time. And, you know, so now I I think that when you look ahead to the future and also don't forget, it's really easy to get into a what if type scenario with this program. But man, a coin flip game against Oklahoma State in Stillwater earlier this year. Uh, A walk-off field goal by Texas Tech an incredibly tight game against the Wildcats in the Sunflower Showdown. Of course, a Texas game where Jalen Daniels gets held out five minutes before kickoff, but the Jayhawks hang with them for three quarters. I mean, any one of those games or multiple of those games could have potentially gone the other direction. We could be talking about a, a Jayhawks team that they could, they could have been in the hunt for a Big 12 title. They could have been in the hunt for maybe a New Year's Six Bowl. Like th- There were a lot of different things that if it had just gone a little bit different, we could be having a different conversation right now.
0: There's no question. And I, I think that's a part of, of why it's such an exciting time. I think that the NIL situation at KU is clearly in a good place. I think you could see... You know, the good thing about the game last night for for KU is they were kind of there by themselves. Right. There was nothing they were competing with. There was no NFL. There was no nothing. Players are watching that game and seeing that. And, it, and, and I do think that, you know, that stuff matters. Right. And, and maybe there's a transfer out there that they could get. That's that's an impactful guy and, and all of those things on the table. Lance Leipold. You mentioned Kodalnicki, Tommy. It's in the same way for K-State. That was the biggest question of this game, right? Like for the future and everything else. You know, Devin Neal's announcement, everything I suppose was bigger, but you got to know that they can operate without Kodalnicki. What is a little bit interesting is, you know, on the interim, you have somebody there that's a part of things. When next year rolls around and it's Grimes, you won't have that, right? So, You know, is he going to do his own thing? How how does that happen? Because I think you you have to keep the continuity.
1: You have to keep the continuity. And I I know that's a reason why Jeff Grimes was hired, because, you know, I read an interview with Lance Leipold where he talked about hiring Jeff Grimes. And the philosophy that that Grimes brings to the table is very similar to the philosophy that Andy Kotelnicki has. Now, it doesn't mean that they're carbon copies of one another, but I so there's probably going to be some different wrinkles and things like that. But the one thing that Andy Kotelniki always brought to the table in his play design and his play calling, a lot of motion, a lot of you know receivers going in different directions, you know misdirection, things like that. That's something that Jeff Grimes, I think, brings to the table as well that we've seen over the course of his career as an offensive coordinator. And so you have to take what the personnel gives you and the, you have to play to those strengths of the players that are on that team with the wide receivers that they have, with the running backs that they have, it's a really explosive and dynamic offense. You have to do everything that you can to make sure that you're giving them opportunities. And that's one thing Jason Bean did last night. He gave those wide receivers opportunities to go and make plays, and they did.
0: Yeah, they 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 certainly did. And it was very impressive to see, and I loved to see it. Lance Leipold certainly continues to just have his teams prepared in a way that gives you hope. I Can mean, we talk about Leipold,
1: him for a second, though? Just, I mean, just yeah. the, the remarkable turnaround. And I know that that's, that's the, the thing on everybody's mind that they've been talking about. This team went 0-9 in the COVID year with Les Miles. The last year he was there. Got a short start when he got hired. Missed, like, the spring game. He wasn't even on staff. Leipold wasn't. When K, when KU played their spring game, they went 2-10, and then they go six and seven. They make it to a bowl game. They lose the bowl game. Nine and four in his third year. Three different quarterbacks throughout the season and a bowl victory. I, I just don't know what more you can say about the job that he's done.
0: Not much. I mean, I, KU fans, you know, you you got it right. Finally, you've deserved this. Obviously, after all the getting it wrong over the years, and I think it's you know. I think it's almost a lesson to the rest of the country when you're looking for next head coaches, right? So often it's, you know, okay, who is, you got, whether it's retreads in the SEC or who's XYZ. Sometimes the best hire is just coaches that know how to win games. And sometimes you, you got to go and find coaches that have won for a long time and bring them in and, and there you go. That stuff translates. They know like, how to
1: win. They build a I, culture. Chris Kleiman was the same way coming in from North absolutely. Dakota State.
0: I think too often in college football, we think, oh, it's only about the players that come in. And that that is not the case. It, not even close. You know, there have been people recruiting up against Alabama and beating them in recruiting lots of years. Right? Why is it that they continue to be that team? Well culture winning right like they they just like whatever it is game planning strategy it's what it's so funny tommy like in the nfl right we know the talent margin is super thin and we we give so much credit to coaches for being able to overcome that those razor thin lines right in college football it's almost like there's this perception of well you just have to have all the best players which is certainly a big part of things but it's not everything and and we see it look at am ams yeah. a perfect example and they finally took that path to some degree you know and not that Jimbo Fisher wasn't a winning coach of course he was he won a ton at Florida State before they hired him but sometimes it's flash isn't what you need you just you yeah. need somebody to come in and redefine what it is that you're going to do the recruiting piece especially with Nil now to a large degree a lot of that stuff will Kind of take care of itself, right? You have entire staffs of people to be in charge of that, and now you have pots of money to help you do it. I I don't know how you know how much coaches are able to coach anymore. I know at Kansas, Lance Leipold certainly does yeah, a ton of it. But it's I mean, it's
1: absolutely imperative. I think still, even in today's college football world, oh, I think it's more. I think it's more. And here's the thing: I, I have regrettably. <laughs> Watched a lot of Jayhawk football over the last 15 years. I've watched probably more than I should have uh, over that stretch of time. And, and one of the things that it didn't matter if it was Turner Gill or Charlie Weiss or David Beatty or Les Miles. One common thread throughout all of those horrible teams throughout the last 15 years is that they didn't know how to win. And there were several games I don't exactly know how many. There were at least probably 10 games over that stretch where they were in a position to win a game and then they just let it go. They, they, couldn't, they couldn't close the deal. They couldn't figure out how to win. In some cases, I think that they were outmatched and they got tired and let it go. In other cases, I think that there just wasn't a winning culture and they didn't know how to win and they never had been in that position before. They didn't know how to handle it. They freaked out and they ended up losing the game. That happened so many different times over the course of the last 15 years with this program. So I think that having a coach, And I don't care if you won at Wisconsin, Whitewater, and Buffalo, but you knew how to win. You knew how to win games and win championships and build that culture and bring that mentality to a new program. It doesn't matter where you won at as long as you won and you know how to communicate that and bring that into your new team. That's exactly what Lance Leipold has done. That's what Chris Kleiman did when he came into Kansas State.
0: From North Dakota State, listen, I have always been an advocate and I and I almost now wear this as a badge of honor for these two programs because I think it validates what I've said for a long time is that coaches can make that jump they can yeah they flat can Brian Kelly was one of the first to do it and I I growing up as a Notre Dame fan and and so I go to a division two college West Texas A&M and I said forever like some of these programs where they just win all the time they could be these coaches could win at every level, and people used to laugh at that and be like, "Okay, well, why is it that my university is sending guys to the NFL? Is you know sending coaches to the NFL? Wes Phillips, you know, the offensive coordinator for for the Vikings, he was a quarterbacks coach at West Texas when I was there, right? Like they had coaches all over the place that elevate. So. And the head coaches that lead these programs, I'm just like, these guys could lead any program in college football. And so when Notre Dame back in the day was looking for a coach, I'm like, they should hire Brian Kelly. And it seemed crazy at the time. I think he was at Grand Valley State then, and he had to go there by way of, like, Central Michigan or something. Like, he had to make this at, Central wasn't he Michigan. Cincinnati?
1: Wasn't he the coach there too? I don't yeah, remember. Yeah,
0: he had to make two stops. You might be right. right. He had to, might have to make two stops, right? But my my thought always at the time was, like, he should have been there and grand valley was ne- they were never going to hire you know grand valley state's head coach but he was let me let me go back and look at just how good he was there uh you know they won uh they won they never lost more than two games in any of his seasons there i don't think they had, they had a little stretch in there right before the end when he won a couple of national championships yeah, two and national, played championships. In the national championships three years in a row so then he had to go to central michigan then he had to go to cincinnati then he finally goes to notre dame and it was the right hire. And I'm like, okay. Well, I you watch all that all the time, and you, and you sort of defend it, especially when you're in the middle of it. And I was very close to the programs and all the things that would happen at that level. And I'm like, why doesn't this happen more often? So the fact now that those kinds of coaches have both landed at Kansas and Kansas State, and Kansas State with Chris Kleiman more directly, right? He didn't have any other stops. And at the time, it was like, oh, Gene Taylor makes this bold movies crazy. And I'm like, he's not crazy, guys. Like – he, he knows who this guy is. This guy's a winner, and he knows it's a culture fit. And finally, KU does the same thing with Leipold, and they don't go after the splash of Les Miles. And Les Miles was recruiting really well, right? He was he yeah. was bringing guys in. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, you know what? Let's just go get a coach that knows how to win and, and build the thing the right way because that's how it's going to have to be done here, and here it is. So I love that both of these guys – are having that success. I advocate for the lower-level coaches all the time because I, I think that that gap is closer than people realize, and and good for them. I'm happy for KU. I'm happy for Lance Leipold. Uh, the the most optimistic people in the world couldn't see this coming, I don't think. And, you know, the, the, the talent is rotating in enough now, Tommy. And we saw this a little bit with Leipold in the beginning, where it's not just... Leipold's clearly a great coach, and he's taking these players that were already here, and you know, now he's also bringing in more players. Yeah. And that's the fi- it's almost like the final piece of like, all right, this is going to work, and this is going to work really well.
1: And, and the final point that I want to make, when one player that I want to highlight is Kenny Logan. He played in his final bowl game yesterday, or final game in the bowl game yesterday. He was a less Miles guy. And when all of that controversy happened and Miles was out And they brought in Lance Leipold, it could have been really easy for Kenny Logan to go somewhere else. And instead, he was the first Jayhawk, if memory serves, to really plant his flag.
0: I think that's right. Yeah. As
1: a Jayhawk under Lance Leipold and stick around and be a part of what they're building. And the fact that the game last night was the culmination of that for a guy like Kenny Logan, who has been kind of the quarterback of the defense for a number of years and being a less Miles guy initially, I couldn't be happier for that kid
0: it's it's there's there's a lot of those and there's a lot coming back and we can talk more about it KU fans because I know it was an exciting game and I and again the thing that makes me the most excited were some of the texts from KU fans I see last night which is essentially like hey there's a real chance we could like win the Big 12 and go to the CFP next year and and the reality is there's absolutely that chance. There's absolutely yep. that chance, and the and the best thing about it is, the other team we pay attention to is in in the same boat to some degree next year. You don't think the expanded playoffs going to be better? Just wait until next year. That's all I can say is just wait until next year, and you'll see how much better it's going to be. I don't even, don't even talk to me about when the playoff actually starts. I don't even care. It will make the regular season exponentially more fun.
1: 869-1240 wrapping up our number one here a very short segment uh, before we get into our number two a lot more uh, to get to we'll look ahead to the kansas state bowl game tomorrow night in orlando the pop tarts bowl and uh, a lot more kind of a maybe a, a early look ahead to the nfl slate this week and a lot to get to in hour number two jacob
0: yeah i'm excited about this week of football uh it's fantasy football championship week what i'm not excited about tommy is something we've uh, both been dealing a little bit this week, and uh, I, I'm just I, – I don't – like, I'm worn out because my entire family has been sick mm. the entire Christmas break. And uh, I, I know everybody everywhere is sick. Like, literally everybody everywhere is sick. Like, it's, it's just, like, dropping like flies, and I'm like, when's my time coming? It's like this dread, like – When's my time coming? Yeah. When is it? When is it? When is it happening? Because it's coming. I'm kind of with it. you. Oh.
1: I haven't had like my family has all had it. I have not yet over the last month or so. Is. I don't even know. I don't know either. I've avoided yeah, like it, the what sickness. is it? I don't I, know. I already
0: had. I already had COVID. I know it's not that. Like we all. I we, that already ran through us. Like what is? What is this
1: out there? Give us a break here. It's Christmas break. It's, I don't even know what day it is. It's that kind of week. I,
0: honestly, yeah, I've had that happen to me about 14 times already. Um, we don't have any guests coming up right now, do no, we? What we day don't. is it?
1: We got nothing going okay. on today.
0: Uh, well, let's talk some football then when we come back on Sports
2: Daily. Sports, later news, and great comedy with Bob and Tom Mornings, 97.5 and 1240 KFA.